Hey everyone, how's it going? Here we are at uh, episode 13 of uh, Ask Wholesale, and here we are with uh, Manny, the Brainiac Investor, and the always knowledgeable Marco Romero. And I, I pretend anyway. He <laughs> pretends to be knowledgeable anyway. Um, and we're going to be talking about a few things today. Uh, what's the most difficult seller you had to build rapport with? That's one of the questions, and how, how to handle that situation. And also, what is the best way to communicate with people and how to get, try to get a deal done? And then a lot of people were asking whether there's situations where you would never go to a proper property physically. So definitely check out this episode. It's a great episode, a lot of insights. We'll catch you guys right now. We are uh, on lucky number 13. Lucky number 13. Of the lucky. Ask Wholesale Show. That's actually my fa second favorite number. Second? What's your yeah. first favorite? 62. Oh, my football number, course, by the way. Of course. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I'm glad that we are on the second favorite number of one here yeah. today. So the Ask Wholesale Show is a show where we answer your questions in regards to wholesaling, but real estate in general. And we have... Um, famed uh, experts with us, but also people that are actually in uh, the nitty gritty of the business uh, and markets all over the, the United States answering your questions. And today we have Manuel Cerillo uh, with us today. So welcome. Thank you thank for you. coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Marco. Oh, of course. Of course. Uh, I'm excited to hear some of your answers. So uh, tell the people watching a little bit about yourself and how you got in the business, what you're working on today and those type of things. Well, my name is Manny, Manny the Brainiac Investor. Um, I, when I first got started, obviously it was my, I was in the going for the veterinary field, but that didn't work out. You know, I kind of stopped pursuing that, I jumped into real estate, it was a perfect timing. And um, I've been building on my rental portfolio, done a lot of owner finance notes, done a lot of fix and flips, wholesales. I mean, creative, finance, creative deals, subject to all the good stuff. I mean, at this point, I mean, just living on a good life where you know with just three four years worth of work now i'm just consulting mentoring people partnering with people doing jv deals i mean you name it i'm just here to help people and build wealth together so that's so it looks like it sounds like uh, you got one of those real estate manuals where it's like all the ways you can make money in real estate and you're like check mark check mark check mark check mark that's why they call you the brainiac investor you've For, done them all exactly exactly you got to become so, a brainiac that's so right. i actually when i first started i actually looked at one of our first deals with manuel that's how i met him manny uh remember ave maria that yeah. street I still get emails from Zillow saying, "Hey, this is still available. Do you want it?" Like, <laughs> that's hilarious. I still, I still, we were looking at that. Remember, we were yeah, trying yeah. to get that one sold, and 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 I don't know, I don't even know what happened to it, but I that was like one of the first properties I ever went to go out to look at as like doing this full time. So, oh, nice. That's was, where we met. Yeah, that's exactly where we met. Yeah, there was. Remember, there we was had a to bunch jump of, the fence. Yeah, we had to jump <laughs> the fence and get through the window, and 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 there was like. I don't know, like barrels, like plastic barrels in the front yard. Oh, I was yeah. like, what's going on? Are these, are th is this toxic waste? Like what's going <laughs> on here? So there was like an abnormal amount of barrels. Wasn't yeah, there? it was, it was weird. It wasn't just like three or four. It was like 
rows and rows of barrels <laughs> that, like, on the front and on the side. That's yeah. how he was collecting water. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right? Or maybe it was like, uh, uh, what's that show? Breaking Bad. Maybe they're full of money. Oh, I wish. They were empty. I checked. I went to go see what was in them. No, no, they're all empty. So... All right, and if you haven't seen some of our earlier episodes, this is Juan Bustos. He's the acquisition manager and acquisition partner here at Hilka Homes. He's the, the man that gets it done, gets all the deals, those type of things. Make sure they get sold, make sure they go through, make sure that uh, make sure that our closing coordinator has everything she needs, make sure I do a lot, I do a lot. That's and good. y'all should have heard that negotiation I had earlier, so. That's right, we did miss that, we did miss that. <laughs> But okay, so great, we answer your questions, and uh, one of the first questions, do you wanna get into it so we can answer it? Sure, um, so the first question uh, was actually submitted and asked by uh, Angel Lopez, a local wholesaler. All right, Angel, um, thank you for that Angel, question. Appreciate very, it, very, shout out, shout very out. Very prominent guy. So um, his question is, what was your most difficult seller you had building rapport with, and how did you overcome that, or what was the outcome? Um, I'll, I'll jump in. Honestly, I don't have like a particular um, seller that comes to mind, but there's definitely, after you're doing this a while, you'll notice that there's patterns. Um, there's a lot of uh, similar personalities, uh, similar situations. Uh, some of the difficult people are the ones that you're not able to build rapport with, that you're not able to uh, build that connection uh, for whatever reason. Um, and w one of the approaches is I try to match the personality of the person that I'm talking to. So if they're like very business oriented and straight to the point and uh, they don't want to talk about anything personal, well then I'll mirror that and I'll get straight down to business with them as well. Um, but really what I try and do whenever there's a difficult situation is still try and ask a lot of questions, probe them, find out uh, what's going on with them and try and go take those extra steps to build that connection. You have to put a little extra work with those people, maybe showing up in person where I could have just done it over the phone. Uh, you know, whatever you can do to just build that connection with them so they can overcome any, any challenges. So basically when you have a difficult seller, it's because they're not fully motivated yet or they don't want to be or they're showing that they're being greedy or they're being something that they don't want to give up anything. I mean, they don't want to be flexible with you. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to deal with you. But at that point, I mean, you're going to do your best. And if not, you have to just move on to the next deal. There's more deals to come. I mean, you know, we're going for that motivated seller, not that, you know, put up with all our BS seller, you know? So obviously, <laughs> you know, you, you really want to see, like he said, you want to see patterns. You already start to see which, you know, what sellers you got to be working, focusing your time with, and other ones that you just put them in the pot, you know, pipeline where you're following up. And at that point where, I mean, you just got to build, be nice and be genuine and basically trust, you know, have sellers trust you. And that's how you're going to get deals. I mean, really it just little by little, you got to work at it, but you're going to get better at connecting with that seller to get the deal. That's how you can overcome it. But obviously, if it's a hardcore seller, I mean, move on. I mean, you're not going to win at this because it's going to be a fist fight. You don't want that. You want to just, you know, uh, make it nice and sweet, you know, get the deal done and create a win-win value for everybody. And that's how you get deals done. I mean, yeah. And to jump on that point too, you know, when you're first starting out, you're trying to just get any deal done. So obviously you're, you'll do whatever it takes to, to get to the finish line. But as you progress and you uh, generate more experience and you've had more success and you have a better uh, lead flow and pipeline, mm -hmm. you can pick and choose who you're going to work with. And if somebody's being difficult, then you can establish what the parameters are, which is, 
hey, I need for you to at least you know, send me this information or at least give me access to the property so I can take photos or I need you to be within this price range for me to move forward. If you're not going to work with me, I'm trying to work with you, then you know, I'll just follow up with you down the road and see if anything changes. But you can establish what your parameters are and what you're willing to do business with uh, people. So I agree. So I actually have a story on a specific property. I knew we get a story um, out of one. Yeah, you got, you got, you have a, you're gonna get a story from me because I love, I love storytelling. <laughs> but um, I actually had a specific seller where it was difficult for me to build rapport. Uh, and a lot of the times the sellers will start off uh, real cold and real uh, almost distant from you because the. If they give you too much, they feel that if they give you too much information, they're making themselves vulnerable and they're making themselves, they're opening themselves to possibly getting gypped, right? And that's not what we're here for, but you know, they, they're, they're scared of that. So they want to be, they want to be cold with you. So the way I do that, and here's actually a free negotiation tip oh, is, uh, bonus. now, yeah, bonus, bonus, bonus material guys. Um, as we well know, I did door to door. So uh, when you do door to door, you gotta you gotta close them within you know your first thirty seconds buys you your next three minutes, your next three minutes buys you your next thirty minutes, right? So you really gotta build rapport within the first thirty seconds and the pitch and the first three minutes and whatnot. Uh, if not, they're gonna slam the door. So I'm pretty good at building rapport right off the bat, you know, within the first three minutes of talking to somebody. Um, what I started doing with that specific seller, and it was from a bird dog. Uh, the seller was out of California and it was him and his brother and um, they wanted to sell it to pay for medical bills for their mom but they were they wanted to get the most that they could out of it um, of course and so what I started doing was I started doing a technique called uh, porcupining questions and what that means is is you start asking question after question after question after question about them so hey you know it started off with hey why are you selling it oh it's because I need to pay medical bills for my mom oh my is she you know is she in the hospital how's she doing how's the surgery going cool do you have any kids what do you do for a living things like that oh you you're in cart this specific seller was oh he was in car sales boom I just found something that I latched onto, right? Because you Why? were in car sales. Because I was in car sales. So something you could connect on. So you, you keep porcupining questions, asking little questions here and there until you connect something. And then, he, oh, I've been in the car sales business for 30 years. Really? I used to sell cars. I sold cars over in uh, Laredo, Texas. And this was one of my techniques. And all of a sudden, he started loosening up, started opening up more to me, started telling me about his kid's, uh, his kid's birthday. Um, or his, I'm sorry, not his kids, his grandkids. He was already a little uh, up there in age. Started telling me about his grandkids' birthday and how, um, you know, he helped pay for this big old shindig off of his commission and this and that. And we just started building rapport. This guy started, you know, he started off at 30, which was an unrealistic number for the for the property and the condition it was at. We needed it like at 15. Um, we landed at 16.5 for this one. Nice. Um, so yeah, so I was able to. At first, he was he didn't want to budge, and I like I said, porcupining questions is a great technique to break down that wall. What do you do? Uh, why are you selling this and that? And just keep. Oh, you're you know you're in you're an engineer. Cool. How did you get that? How was school? What you know? What made you get interested in that? So forth and et cetera. Until you find something that you can latch onto and build that rapport from there. Because um, you want to you want to humanize yourself. Yeah. Exactly. You're yes. you're you're them. You're they're, they're you and you're them. And if you if you humanize yourself and you catch on to that that commonality that you have with them, it's gonna it's gonna blend and and you just gotta find it. Sometimes mm -hmm. you have to dig for it because sellers in general just kind of wanna. This is what I'm asking. Don't try and negotiate with me. Don't try and build rapport. Don't try and jip me. But it's all part of the process. So porcupine and questions is a great way to break down those walls and and uh and and get past that that cold i don't want rapport kind of situation 
And that's okay. the way, that's typically the way I do it. So, so that was a great question because we got uh, a story out of Juan mm -hmm. and we got a bonus from Juan. So uh, let's see how this next question, we're going to get a, another story from Juan. Probably. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the next question, guys, is uh, what is the best way to communicate with people when trying to do a deal? So I can also. Well, do you have a this, story? Let's no, see. this one, this one is, this one isn't, isn't a story, but this is, this is actually uh, something that I found. And the real answer to what's the best way to communicate with people when trying to do a deal, there is no real answer to that. It's just how they are better at communicating. Some people are better at communicating via email. Some people are better at communicating via text. I love texting. I prefer to text than phone call. Some people would rather you call them. You know, you send them a text and they might just call you back right away. Say, hey, I'd rather be on the phone. I mean, they won't say that, right? But you can tell by their reaction. If you send them a text, they call you right away and that happens once or twice or even three times, just start making the phone call. If they're not answering their text messages or their phone calls, but they respond to an email, just start interchanging via email. So, you know, there's there's all different forms of communication. There's social media. I've done, I'm doing a deal. I'm working on a deal right now uh, where we're communicating through Facebook. See, nice. So, the story's coming. I knew story. it. I knew well, it. The, story's not, the story's not completely there yet, so it's not uh, okay. actually a story. To be it's just continued. an example. Dot, to be continued, dot, dot. exactly. Watch the next episode. Right. Right. Maybe you'll find out. <laughs> so, but that's, that's my answer. It's just whatever the seller is, uh, or whoever it is, even if you're just talking to the buyer, whatever their preferred method of communication is, is the way you should, you should match that. What do you think? I totally agree with Juan, because the best thing you can do is adapt to them. How are you going to connect is you adapt to them. I mean, they like phone calls, you're going to give them a phone call. They like text message, you give them text message. Emailing, email. I mean, it's funny, the Alvin Maria deal, the seller, yeah. just emails. It was weird. It was my first time where email, 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 email was the whole negotiation. I mean, y'all have weird. a great memory. That was like, what, two years ago? Yeah, that, was like years two, that was like two or three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it so was a while back. Yeah. It was just emailing with the seller. But I mean, some scenarios has been just texting as well. Or some scenarios has just been, I love phone. I mean, my preferred method of communicating is, is phone call and then in person. Those are my two favorite. Two favorite, you get more done that way. Cause emailing, texting could, I mean, texting seems fast. Texting is very fast. Emailing is definitely slow. So, you know, yeah. but it's just a preferred method as to how they like to communicate and you adapt to that. So I, you know, that's, that's the best way to connect. So I think there's three answers to this question, uh, which y'all already touched on too. So I'm gonna throw in a, a bonus. Here's oh, a second oh, bonus another episode. Bonus. Okay, so uh, it depends on the situation. It depends on what's going on. Mm -hmm. I think if you haven't established a really strong rapport with the seller yet or the buyer, um, and you're trying to, and maybe you haven't seen eye to eye on price point yet in the early part of the negotiations, is deferring to what they prefer. So like uh, Juan was saying earlier, if they are doing email or if they're doing text message, emulating that. There's a reason they chose that form of communication. So if they chose that, you're gonna be able to um, get responses quicker and you'll be able to move the conversation along and those type of things. So the first one is what they're doing, uh, capitalize on that. Uh, the second answer, which is what um, Manuel went over, is what do you prefer? Um, at first, you know, you might just fumble into it, but over time you'll notice that you might prefer phone or text or you might prefer uh, trying to meet with them as much as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, after some time went by, my preferred method, like Manuel was saying, was phone call and text message because I could talk to more people in a shorter amount of time, which meant that I was working more leads, which means I was closing more deals. 
but that usually happens once you've established rapport, once you've um, come uh, seen eye to eye with the seller, the buyer, and at that point, you, you know, there isn't a preference of what type of communication. But the third bonus uh, route is if this is a no negotiation conversation. If it's a negotiation conversation, I always try and lean on the side of face-to-face. -face. Whenever it's face-to-face, -face, um, it humanizes you. It allows you to talk through the conversation uh, more completely. In a phone call, they can hang up on you. In a text message, they can just not respond. In an email, same thing. But in person, they have to respond to you. It'd be kind of awkward if they just walked away, right? So you can negotiate with them in person right there. Second best option, uh, in my opinion, when it comes to negotiations, over the phone. Uh, you can, you know, they're having a conversation, it makes sense for them to respond right then and there. You can hear inflection uh, in their voice, you can hear pauses, you can listen to what's going on and respond appropriately, and then obviously text message after that. So there's several different ways, depends on the situation. Be adaptable, be flexible, so that you can be effective in your communication. Exactly. Exactly. So we gave like all kinds of great. Yeah, you guys are getting great stuff here, man. <laughs> so um, the next question is: uh, Is there ever a situation where you don't physically go to a property when wholesaling? So there is many situations where you don't have to go. I mean, one if the house is vacant, I mean, you can send anybody in your team, a friend, a colleague, for whatever, to go out, take pictures and video you know, assess the house. I mean, luckily it's already vacant. You don't have to go. If you're wholesaling, you're not going to buy the property and keep it. So you're wholesaling to back and buyer. Let them do their inspections and they're going to decide if they're going to buy it or not. And you get more details out of that. So there's situations where you don't have to go see it. Plus, if it's so far away from you, I mean, an hour drive from the other side of town, I mean, you're not going to go through traffic, go try to see that one house maybe. I mean, you already got the deal under contract or something. You don't have to go. You got under contract and then you start marketing it for sale. I mean, I mean, you, you don't, there's times, I bought in a lot of houses without ever seeing the, seeing the property. I mean, yeah. over 10, 15 already. I mean, sight unseen, nothing. All right, because it's already a good deal. If you already got it at a good price, you, you, know your, your numbers. you know your numbers, your comparables are there, everything's there. Like, this is a no-brainer, take it, take it down, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I actually prefer not going to the property. There's definitely situations where you would want to, like I mentioned previously, if you want to negotiate and stuff. But um, eventually you're gonna get to a point where you have so many leads going on that time's valuable and taking the time to drive there, show up there, maybe the key's not even there. Mm -hmm. You know, there's tons of situations where that might occur. And then you gotta drive back. You know, that could have, you could have made 20 phone calls in that time. So that's a, a big component. And I'm actually gonna throw a story in uh, here. Okay. So I wanna uh -oh. jack your story unless you got right. one. So uh, one of my favorite uh, memories of a wholesale deal that I did uh, back in the day was one that I never went to and I've told this story before but I, I think this one's really good so I got this lead um, I don't even remember where I got the lead from but I, I'm talking to the person we come to an agreement we alright we got terms I send them the contract the email okay great um, I send it to really just a handful of buyers and I got uh, one guy in particular who said he was interested. I was like, all right, go check it out. I had never seen it, I hadn't looked at it. I mean, I had an idea of what the repairs were because I asked good questions. Um, but I said, hey, go check it out. Well, then I went on, went on about my day and it turns out that I went to, I met with this, uh, with another business guy. He's in, in credit repair. And uh, we had a meeting and we were talking about uh, whatever business or whatever. And uh, then we, for some whatever reason, he was on his Facebook 
and on his Facebook he um, had pointed out one of these guys who had taken um, trash bags and from his feet all the way up to like a little bit above the waist he had like barricaded his body with these trash bags what? and the credit guy was showing this to me and he was kind of laughing about it this that and the other and then the post the Facebook post the guy that was showing the photo of him it was like a selfie of him in this trash bags he was like he basically made a comment about how he was going to check out a house and it was like infested with fleas so that's actually pretty smart so uh, he was taking his precautions so he didn't get uh, any fleas on him or, or bitten or anything well, as I was looking at the post, I kind of deduced that the buyer that I sent this deal to, this guy that was going to check it out was from his team. And so uh, he was sending one of his team members to check out my house. I found out that this was my house and he was the one that had uh, you know, put all this <laughs> trash bags on. So I never had to go to this house that was full of fleas but this other guy was going and it this turned out to be my house. Trash that, bags on. Yeah, exactly. That flea pop, flea So if you don't have to go stuff. to the house, and especially if it's uh, infested with fleas, uh, that's definitely the route you want to go. That's so, definitely a bonus. Uh, that was a, a hilarious scenario where I found out through a person of a Facebook post that that was my house. That's funny. That's actually a really good. I think you have told me that one once, like yeah, once got, or twice. I, I loved it. That's I thought it was great. And then from then on, I was like, I like this not going not to the going property. Not going to houses situation yeah i don't um i hardly ever go to the properties physically uh to be honest with you especially when they're coming from another wholesaler um i just have the wholesaler send me pictures we talk about it uh there's one specific the first one that i realized that you didn't have to go to every property was a couple years ago oh, uh, see new story was coming yeah there I you go it was coming couple i don't know if you remember it it was a small deal it wasn't that big of a deal it was a uh, uh, over off of potomac I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah. I don't remember that. So, yeah, I don't remember the address, but somebody had sent it to me. We were talking about another property, and this person sent it to me, and he goes, Hey, you want this one? I just bought one over off of Potomac. It's a real POS, man. It's not great. I said, Cool. So, tell me about it. So, he told me about it. I said, Yeah, let's do it. Let's see. Let's see what we can do. Uh, He sent me over some pictures. I looked at it. I blasted it out. Uh, We blasted it out. We found a buyer within like a day or two. Um, and she went, she went, she checked it out, she picked it up at Asking, and I never, it took us like a, an entire week or max of negotiating, showing it to her, and I never went out there, not once did I ever go out there, and I made, I, I think, I think the total fee for us was like 3000 and, you know, we split that the way we split it, and, uh, I was nice like, man, I didn't even, I didn't even have to, I didn't even have to go out. I was just having a conversation about another one. I was like, I really like this. And uh, typically, I don't even go out. If I do have to go out to a property, I won't waste my time unless we're within ten thousand dollars of negotiation. That's a big point, especially for the new, um, new wholesalers, new investors out there that they feel they need to go to every single property. We only go and physically look at a property if we're close on numbers. Yeah. If the seller has verbally said, yes, you know, I'm at 40 and our number is maybe 33 or whatever, okay, we're within range. I'll spend the time to go look at it. But we don't go look at properties unless we're close on the numbers at a minimum. Yeah, guys, if I, if, if I were to go look at every property that, um, that is sent to me I, I would never get anything done so make sure you're within if you're gonna go physically look at it make sure you're within I like to use a general rule of ten thousand uh, dollars 
Uh, if you're within $10,000 of negotiating range and you've got a pretty good idea of what the rehab is, then you can go look at it. There's a lot of sellers who are going to be like, well, go look at it and then make me an offer. Like, well, no, because I'd be wasting time because what if I need to be at 40 and you really, in your head, you want to be at 80. It just, you know, you got you to gotta get all the, you got to get all the information first and you got to make sure that you're within range because if not, you're just wasting a ton of time this a lot of this a lot of people think that you know you're going to be looking at houses all day every day and that's that's just not how this works i mean you really shouldn't be looking at houses unless you're real close yeah because if you're look going out looking at houses you're going to waste i mean you're how many houses can you see in one day three four i mean because an hour in traffic you're stuck i mean depends on who's driving uh, <laughs> yeah i might be able to see five well, the way i drive we need a dirt bike or something <laughs> yeah. to go over cars <laughs> yeah, i know right no, but yeah, I mean, you, you can't drive them to all. That, that's almost impossible. I mean, I just did a deal last month where, you know, obviously from a realtor calling me on my houses for sale, called me, brought me another deal. And I was like, oh, I like it. I mean, I was going to take it down either way. But then I ended up because I ended up selling it mm -hmm. uh, with um, to an investor buyer that went out to go see it because he said, he asked me if I had any inventory. I was like, yeah, go check out this one. And he bought it right then and there. A day worth of, you know, a connecting phone call, connecting, yeah. connecting the, the seller, the buyer. And that was it. I made what fifteen thousand on it. Like there I was like, nice. that's yeah, a good. That's in yeah. one day. In one day of phone calls, and yeah. he might have. And if he wasn't smart about it, he might have ended up spending that day going to look at houses, right? Exactly. <laughs> Connecting his deals. So, so, so you got to be smart about that. So there's a lot of times when you don't actually go physically see the property that you're yeah. selling. So. That's that's those are pretty good answers, guys. These are great questions, yeah. by the way. Um, make sure that for future episodes, you guys are sending us a bunch of questions. Make sure you're sending, you know, you're thinking about it. And if we ever bring up anything that you want to look further into, make sure make sure you ask about that because we're 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 really open to. It. That's what this whole situation is for to just answer everybody's questions about. Uh, wholesaling and real estate investing in general. Yeah, yeah put so. your questions in the comments uh, below and we'll grab them and we'll put them on a future episode. You can also tag through the hashtag <laughs> ask wholesale, right? That's yeah. an easy way. Uh, you can also private message us. Go to Hilco. Uh, you can go to Manuel's page too and you know go on Facebook. Brainiac Investor. There yep. you go. Brainiac you can hit message, send us a direct message. We'll help you out. We want to help you. We want to bring value to you. Exactly. So the next question is uh, would be the fun question. This is the one that we like uh, we, to we answer. Gotta, we got to make it fun. Not all this yeah. boring real estate talk. All yeah, time. yeah, exactly. I, I love this part actually because it, it kind of makes you think and it kind of delves into who you're talking to. Other than real estate, what is a side passion of yours? Manuel, you want to start that yeah. one off? Yeah. So. This is what it came for. This is, oh, this wow. is the real estate. <laughs> this is what it <laughs> came real for. Part. I mean, this is why I do real estate. Oh, you know, true. you, you go. know, you gotta. I have a very expensive hobby. My hobby is I love horses. I have many horses, ponies, miniatures, um, quarter horses, frisons, everything. I mean, I love training horses. I love being out on the ranch. You know, connecting with the horse. I mean, literally, you're connecting with the you know their brain, their legs. You gotta move them. You gotta do tricks. I mean, it's amazing. So. That's why I love being out in the ranch and just enjoying time. I mean, I just bought a miniature horse with the carriage and I'm out riding now, yeah, yeah. you know? So my side passion is, is riding horses and, and just being out with nature, you know? But at the time, you need to have something that supplements your income and guess what? Real estate's that. So, I mean, it's amazing how you can have whatever you want. I mean, when you just focus on things you want and real estate is a great, great, great avenue for financial wealth. I mean, financial freedom. Uh, how did you get into horses? Is horses? That, was your family? Or? Yeah, so funny when, okay, so my first experience with horses was when I would go to Mexico with my parents. Um, 
So my grandpa never owned a tractor. To this day, still doesn't do a tractor. Still does it the old-fashioned way. He has a horse and a mule and Dang. plows, a, plows, a, plows a, the dirt. Wow. And I helped him with that. And from then, I was like, wow, these horses are amazing. Like, That's awesome. I can do so much with the horse. I mean, right. you, you know, you ride them, takes you from point A to point B. And they can do so much for you. Exactly. I mean, they're your, your you know, it's your side buddy, your pet, yeah. your, your pet, you know. It's, it's, they give you love and affection as well, you know. Do you have a favorite horse? Oh, yours? I had plenty of favorite horses. Oh, Man, yeah. I had like nine horses before I went off to college. I had to sell <laughs> really? almost eight. Wow. I had to. I only kept one. And, and well, I'm they like, take a lot of work to just you exactly know, feed yeah. them, uh, clean them, and everything exactly. else. Exactly, right? it's a lot of time consuming. But I mean, each horse of my horses is like a different person and a different uh, human being that I can teach a different trick. Yeah, a horse knew how to lay down, sit down, and a horse knew how to dance. You know, you know, pound the dancing. I think, I think I have a small fear of getting bit by a horse. To be honest with you, a small like, fear yeah. or a big fear? It's, that just it's came kind out of, of nowhere. Well, I mean, right now. it's it's small because I don't interact with horses every day, so it's. <laughs> It's not like I'm gonna be walking down the halls of geekdom and like, oh, got bit by a horse. You no, know what I mean? So, that, yeah. but I, you know, it's like whenever I am around a horse, I feel like I, I'm like really careful because I'm like, what if it bites me? Horses have those big old teeth and they're just gonna chomp down on you. What I hurts more like is a kick. So, oh yeah, so no, that's the, why I don't stand behind the yeah, horse. Yeah, but, but with <laughs> the horse, you can almost foresee it. You got a couple of seconds to foresee anything. If they put in their ears back, then they're going for a bite. Oh. So you look at that, then they're gonna bite you. If they don't do with the pin their ears, they yeah. won't bite you. Now I know. There now you I know. Go. That's yeah. not so a problem. No. So, so watch their ears. Yeah, yeah watch your go. ears. Well, you gotta watching you. Pick up your third sense. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, that's funny, man. So horses, man. That's cool. Oh, that's interesting. It's my passion. I mean, uh, do you have a particular breed or any breed? I love quarter horses. That's my favorite. Um, okay. I mean, they're just stocky, fast. You can. They're very versatile. Versatile in, t in terms of training anything, bell racing, cut. You know, cutting, reining, for roping, ranching. Everything. What are they called? Quarter horses. Quarter horses. Quarter Because they're fast in the quarter mile. Oh, they have okay. big, they okay. have big stocky hind ends, you know. So, oh, wow. I mean, they're the most docile. I mean, almost every horse out there you'll see is a quarter horse. That's the common breed right now. Okay. Oh, okay. But I mean, if you go into luxury horses, I mean, it's everything else like a Frisan, Andalusians. I mean, these horses are oh, from England. They're worth fifty thousand. Jeez. Yeah. Jeez. Microchip them. I mean, because you yeah. don't want to lose yeah. those. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to lose fifty grand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to lose fifty grand. But um, I mean, horses is, is my, cool. my my that my is hobby, cool. my passion. I mean, I mean that's why you know you gotta find you gotta find something that you love to do, sure. and not you have no drive. You know you gotta life is too short. Enjoy what you can. You know, enjoy yeah, it. Exactly. If not, you'll forget why you're working. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll I'll go next. I'll let you be the dynamic finish. The, the, the finish. It's not that great. Uh, honestly, for me with passions, I, I'm very like work focused. Uh, oh, right now. Really? yeah. So oh, man. I, I want to get to the point where I have a uh, passive income to the level <laughs> that I want and, and uh, travel and stuff. But if I were to pick one, man, uh, just like in life, I haven't done it in a while, but video games. I love yeah. video games. Yeah, I played, I, I played a lot of video games like Halo and I played WoW and World of Warcraft a lot. I played all kinds of different stuff. Nintendo 64, all that stuff. But at some point, I had to kind of uh, retire in a sense and focus on, on business. But uh, I would love to get to a point where I don't have to work anymore and I can just, whatever the badass game games, is. I mean, yeah. games are getting like crazy good now yeah. where it's like almost virtual reality in a sense. But I always loved like the, the community aspect, the people that you meet. You know, you can be playing with somebody across the world mm -hmm. um, and you're, you're literally building something. I really like the critical thinking component of a lot of games. I'm huge like 
Final Fantasy, loved all that stuff. So <laughs> video games, totally. totally. I really only ever got into like Resident Evil and Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. Oh, all the Resident Evil. So you're like, like early uh, video games. Yeah, right. and I didn't even really get into them that much either. Like I, all my friends were playing video games, and I was like, so you weren't. Really I mean, good. I did play. I mean, I was all right at the ones that I liked. <laughs> I think so you're trying I'll, to put me down, Marco. <laughs> so I only, I only had Sega, man. Oh yeah? is, that's yeah, all I had. I always wanted a Sega. I never had. They I had all the Nintendo. Yeah. 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 I want. I was like Sonic. I wanted to Sonic, hear that, that Sega. Yeah, Sega. That one. Yeah, I had. I had Sega when I was a kid too. Sonic Two was my. Yeah, Sonic like my and uh, Mario Kart or no, Mar- the, the Mario. Mario. You know which one? Which the, Mario? The first Mario is the Mario and there Luigi. Was, oh yeah, yeah. There was. There's tons of Mario games. But the first ones were like the only ones I had after then. Mario World with Yoshi and everything. Yeah, I, I love those. I had a. I had a PlayStation One when I was like 11, mm-hmm. and. Um, I had Tony Hawk Pro Skater on there. Yeah, that one, that's that's where I first started listening to my I had the tech decks. Yeah, the little tech decks. Yeah. Well, yeah, I remember those. Yeah, I used to I I I used to skateboard when I was younger, but before I learned how to skateboard, I had those two. I'd be like, "Watch this!" They're like, "Mom, mom, watch this!" Mom. I sucked at Go this. away, I'm cooking. My mom <laughs> should go away, I'm cooking. <laughs> they don't understand. They're like, what are you doing? What are you you're, doing? You're doing this with your fingers, yeah. skateboard? <laughs> yeah, you want to learn a cool new trick? Come wash the dishes. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's pretty cool. Video games, man. That's that's. I was never really. I could never really get into like technology uh, I based. I've played all kinds of. All, What's all your favorite of one, of all time? Uh, I probably have the most fond memories of Halo, the original Halo. Halo. Okay. Because uh, that Halo Two is when you could connect to the internet and you could play with anyone. But the original Halo was like the first time where you could connect to not just like one other console, so Xbox, Xbox, you could actually connect four Xboxes. Mm. So um, when Halo came out, I was like in the late part of high school and then I was, and then I transitioned into college and I had some fond memories where we would be in the dorms and uh, in one dorm room there would be eight people jam-packed and in the other dorm room there would be eight people jam-packed and there's just like, you know, the wall, which was paper thin, uh, separating us and we would have these like, elaborate long three-hour four-hour games where we're playing capture the flag and uh, there'd be situations where uh, we would get the flag the flag so close but then you know the other team came and blew us all up and one room's like hell yeah and like talking the other room's like like, no "No," all at once you know and then we would after we would finish we'd all go to the food hall together and and talk about it so those were some good times I really enjoyed it that does sound fun cool man so so for me, one of my passions, or, you know, I have, I have a few passions. I have, you know, I really like, I'm really a big time music enthusiast. I was never really good at being a musician. I tried that. I tried the whole rock star thing for a little while. Um, Throw your hair out? Uh, no, 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 no. I look terrible. See, the thing is, my hair doesn't grow down. My hair grows out. That's where you messed up, So it looks up, terrible. Man. Yeah, That's right. I should have gotten long hair. Uh, I think uh. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm picturing it in my head. That's a terrible, terrible look. I would like to I reg- see that. I, I regret that look, and I never even had it. So. <laughs> um, but no, one of my passions um, is tattoos, actually. I, um, I grew up drawing... Uh, my sister's biological father was a tattoo artist when I was a kid and me and my cousins would sit and watch him do tattoos at home nice. right he did uh he did he had his own makeshift tattoo machines that he learned how to make when he was locked up and uh, you know we would always watch that and and I always had a passion and a love for tattoos and I always loved looking at tattoos and I always loved drawing drawing 
so I have a really severe case of ADD. So drawing is one of the few things right next to business and real estate that keeps my mind focused. I can't focus on a lot of things for long periods of time, but when it came to drawing and shading and coloring and learning new, learning how to blend different things, uh, I could sit there and focus on a drawing for two, three hours. And then I got into tattooing when I was about 19. No, I was seven, like 17. Mm -hmm. um, and I tattooed for almost 10 years of my life. I started tattooing. I started, you know, messing up my girlfriend <laughs> with really ugly tattoos and started doing uh started messing up my friends with really ugly tattoos she that they were really okay loved you I oh know. man she did trust me but um <laughs> she she doesn't anymore yeah. after she uh, looked in the mirror she was like what she was uh, like what uh, no this? terrible so I, I did some really terrible tattoos and then i started really buckling down when i was about 23 or 24 on tattooing and i focused a lot i took on a i took on a tattoo mentor uh, by the name of David Morales down in uh, Laredo, Texas. They called him El Diablo. So, oh, yeah? Oh, wow. Yeah, not for any... He just kind of looked like a cartoon devil is what it is. Oh, okay. I think that's what it is. think that's what a pointy is. beard or what? Yeah, I asked him one time. I said, why do they call you Diablo? And he's like, I don't know. I was like, it has nothing to do with the... Okay, cool. <laughs> so, but... um. He started teaching me. He taught me a lot of the basics. I had another, you know, I had a couple mentors. Another guy named Chris. Uh, he taught me a lot of stuff, like like how to put the needles without breaking. Because I don't know if you know this, but it's actually not one needle. It's like a bunch of. It's like a group of needles, depending on how thick you want the lining and the shading. Oh, really? It's actually a group of needles. So if one of those, if you put it in wrong and one of those gets hooked, you end up tearing the skin. Uh, so you have to be really careful with how you put it. There's a lot of technique that goes yeah. into it. People think that, oh, you're good at drawing. That means you're going to be a good tattoo artist. Like, that's not necessarily true. Sure. Skin and ink. My, my tattoos actually look better than my drawings, which a lot of people are like, why are you good at tattooing but not good at drawing them? I need to see proof of this. It's on my Facebook. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's on oh, my okay. Facebook. All right. But, um, you know, so, but I could sit there and I've sat there before and done four to six hour tattoos and just not lose focus not even a little bit so it's wow. it's really a passion and then when i'm done with it i look at it and i always see my own mistakes right but if you look from you know if you look you know you look at it as a whole and you step back and as a whole the tattoo is really great of course me as the artist i'm like oh man i, should, I messed yeah, up yeah, hopefully. Of course. you know what i mean so you see your own mistakes but you know everybody you know looks at it and you see the color popping and the different blends of shading and all this stuff and you light gray light gray wash shading versus dark black shading versus this kind of technique versus that kind of technique it's really just it's really a passion of mine it's something i haven't been able to do because like marco i'm really work focused a lot of my a lot of my day revolves around trying to get work done but it's really something I'd like to get back to, you know, once I reach a certain level, I'd really like to get back to to uh, doing tattoos, you know, almost uh, almost full time, if not part time at my house again or at a shop, you know, as a part time. Artist have your own shop. That's good. Yeah, yeah, have my own shop where I can just work part time, have other people work for me and just go in yeah. and do some tattoos whenever That'd I get the fun. chance. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's my that's that's my passion. Tattoos. It's I love it. I love it. That's well, awful. very cool, man. Tattoos. Yeah. You need to do a tattoo of a horse on somebody. Yeah, right. I think. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. If I don't I, like tattoos, but maybe. I, I've been out of practice for a while. I don't know if I can still okay, knock one mind, out, but you know, I can draw you a really nice stick figure right <laughs> okay. now. Okay. No, um, but yeah, I think I think it's just I love it. Yeah. It's one of my favorite. Well, things very cool. So we're gonna be wrapping up this episode, but before we do. Um, Manuel, where, where can people find you? Uh, how can they connect with you? Where can they find out more about you? Um, they can go to my Facebook pros of Manuel Cerrillo Jr. That's my real name. But Manny, the Brainiac Investor, you can go to my, uh, send me an email, brainiacinvestor at gmail.com. Um, or 
I mean, private message me or something. You What's know? your phone number? Uh, my phone number is 210-405-6077. Or, you know, just shoot me a text. I mean, I'm always available. I always have my phones on me, so. <laughs> well, the great thing, too, is that he's knowledgeable in a lot of different yeah. arenas of real estate. So if you have questions, even if you're not, you know, maybe you're just trying to focus on wholesaling, but eventually you're trying to get to rentals or you're eventually trying to move up to flips, uh, talking to someone like Manuel would be very insightful and, and good good way for you to learn how your buyers even look at deals, that kind of thing. Yeah. So cool, I appreciate you being on and uh, I, I think we had some uh, good conversation here. And keep in mind, we appreciate you watching, we appreciate your support, make sure to like, make sure to throw some comments in there so we can interact with you. I mean, put where you're from, I mean, what market are you in? And uh, also send us some questions. We wanna answer your questions on future episodes. So. Thank you for watching. Y'all have you. a good day. You guys have to realize neglecting your negotiation skills is one of the biggest atrocities in the wholesale world. If you do not work on specifically improving your negotiation skill set, Someone with less resources with better negotiation skills, they're gonna come to a swoop up your lunch. Because you know how the old saying goes, you never get what you deserve in life, you only get what you negotiate out of it. once said a man who knows everything truly knows he knows nothing at all so I want you guys to always be looking for ways to learn ways to improve and you'll never have to worry about making another check because you always have skills that you're constantly improving that'll help you always pay those bills <laughs>